Good morning, and welcome to Monday Mornings. With Maddie and Morgan. I'm Maddie. And I'm Morgan. Woo! Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited about our episode today. Me too. So today we're going to be talking about, all about maple syrup. Yay! Yay! And I'm going to be heading this episode... Maddie will be here, but <laughs> I'm going to be heading this episode, and she's going to be heading our next week's episode, just yes, to mix it up a little bit. A mostly Morgan podcast this week, and a mostly Maddie podcast next week. <laughs> so this week, you can get sick of my voice, and next week, you can get sick of Maddie's voice. Exactly. Ooh. Ooh. So, yeah. Well, let's get right into it. Oh, Yeah. So we're going to go into the basics of maple syrup and maple processing and all that jazz. Yum. And then we're going to talk about the history. And then we're going to talk about the science behind it. And then we have scandal to talk about. Ooh! I know, drama. Oh, and we're going to talk about rules, regulations, and the grading system. Yes. I have questions about that. Yes. I can hopefully answer them for you. Yes. (laughs) Obviously, most of us are familiar with maple syrup here in the Northeast anyway. Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm not talking about, like, that fake high fructose corn syrup, log cabin, Aunt Jemima shit. (laughs) That's not syrup. (laughs) I mean, it is, but it's not maple syrup. I can tell you that much. (laughs) It's shameful. Shameful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah growing up we were there was only pure maple syrup in the house oh yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure as a kid i like didn't even know that like fake syrup was a thing oh i only ha- i had it at like friends houses and like other people's houses and i was just like what is this it's crazy weird <laughs> and like i hop <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway maple syrup traditionally comes from the sap inside Sugar maple trees, which the scientific name for that is Acer saccharum. Syrup can be made from other types of trees, like red maples. I think some people tap birch hmm. or, like, Japanese maple. I don't think Ooh. I've ever seen a Japanese maple. Oh, I think actually, I'll... I have because you sent me a picture of one. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to find out what it was. Or just the leaf, at least. <laughs> yes. It looks like a marijuana leaf. Marijuana. Actually, in the maple family. Yeah, it was wild. We're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I love it when you you text me about questions. <laughs> but <Happy> anyway, <laughs> sugar maples have the highest sucrose con- concentration in their sap, and they have a greater volume of sap. So the sugar maple is obviously favorable for making syrup. Yeah. So maple syrup comes from northern the northern united states and canada specifically the northeast and eastern um canada quebec mostly yep we love canada me too let me in (laughs) (laughs) hey rachel she's in canada (laughs) yeah last new year's eve i was in canada and i was getting all those like snap memories from last oh. year in That's my it. house <laughs> i was like oh. <laughs> canada produces about 70 percent of the maple syrup globally 
with Quebec producing about 90% of that 70%. So Quebec is really like the kingpin of maple in the world. And we'll get more into that later in our scandal section. French speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Wee wee. The United States produces about 6.3% of the world's maple syrup, with Vermont being the leading producer. It takes roughly 40 gallons of sap to make one gallon of maple syrup. Woof. So that's a lot. (laughs) Seeing as your typical sugar maple tree will produce between 5 and 15 gallons a year of sap a year. So you can't just have, you can't just tap one tree to get a gallon of syrup. Just kind of a bummer, but yeah. But that also kind of shows you why it's so expensive, because <laughs> it yields so much but turns to be so little. <laughs> exactly, it's like making, almost like making like applesauce or something like that. Apple oh. butter. You end up with, you start with so many apples and end up with like <laughs> three cups of applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> It's worth it. Maple sap is mostly just water with about 2% sugar content. Ooh, like people. Just like people. Well, not the sugar content part, but the mostly water part. <laughs> yeah. So maple sap equals people. Yes. <laughs> A typical sugaring season lasts four to six weeks. A pattern of freezing and thawing temperatures meaning below freezing at night and then 40 to 45 degrees during the day in Fahrenheit, Mm. will build up pressure within the trees, causing the sap to flow from the tap holes. Wild. Yeah. (laughs) Sugaring sugaring season ends when the warmer days of late spring cause the leaves to unfold. Vermont produces around 50% of the United States... uh, The United States maple syrup crop (laughs) which I kind of already said but yeah in 2020 Vermont produced 2.22 million gallons of maple syrup oh geez that's a lot of trees it was actually a record season for Vermont so one good thing came out of 2020 (laughs) yeah lots of syrup I love that (laughs) yeah think about how many gallons of sap that would have been multiply that by 40 (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another fun fact is that a tree needs to be about 40 years old or 10 to 12 inches in diameter to be big enough to tap. So it's not like you can just, like, go out in your yard, plant some seedlings, and expect to have syrup the next year. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be a little bit more mature. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like, I think of, like, a Christmas tree farm where it takes... A long time to get established because mm. the trees have to grow. Oh, my dream job. Oh, me too. I want a, I want a tree farm. Me too. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Monday mornings on the tree farm with Maddie and Mark. <laughs> is it wine in my mug? You'll never know. <laughs> it is. It's just maple syrup, actually. <laughs> it's just maple syrup. I did have maple syrup in my coffee this morning in preparation. So I need to start doing that. It's so good. I like <laughs> I don't usually drink sugar in my coffee, but sometimes on the weekends mm. or if like I'm having a rough morning, I'll just put a little bit of maple syrup in there. 
just for some spice. <laughs> just to mix it up a bit, yeah. <laughs> and let's see, my last fun fact is that some large maple trees in Vermont's sugar bushes are over 200 years old. So that's oh an old goodness. A sugar bush, I guess we haven't covered this yet. A sugar bush is basically a grove of ma- sugar maple trees. Mm. Or a ski mountain. That too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for the basics. We'll go a little bit deeper into pretty much everything. So, Yay! All right, now we're going to get a little sneak peek into the history of maple processing. Yay! Woo! Maple syrup originated with Native Americans in the northern United States and Canada, which we kind of already talked about, but maple syrup is only found pretty much in the northern United States and Canada. It's sold other, it's exported all over the world, obviously, but yeah, those are the only places where you can really find groves of sugar maple trees like that. I bet it has to be like crazy expensive in other countries because it's already expensive just in New England and that's like without high transportation costs. I know, I can't even imagine because I know like here in Vermont, a gallon will run you probably 35 to $40 yeah but i have i've seen them like 50 to 60 dollars in places so i'd imagine like i know i was reading that there's a huge for whatever reason um there's a huge boom or a huge demand for maple in some asian countries right now Hmm. and that's like pretty much as far away as you can get (laughs) to transport yeah (laughs) so i can't even imagine how expensive it must be because I mean, all, pretty much all the maple syrup that's being exported is from Canada and Vermont. Yeah. So it's not like they're really making their own syrup and I don't know. Yeah, especially because if they were to start, they'd have to wait a few years. (laughs) Yeah, 40 years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so... There are many different versions of the legends slash folklore that Native Americans have to explain the origin of maple syrup. It kind of depends on geographical location and what tribes were located in that area. Yeah. For example, one Wabanaki legend, which the Wabanaki tribe was from Vermont, some parts of Canada, New York, and Maine. Cute. I think there was probably divisions of it, but... That's all I found when I was researching it. So it's a big well, area, so there's probably like smaller groupings. Yeah, that's what I kind of figured. But like probably generally the same culture. Right. Yeah. One Wabanaki legend says that Prince Gluskop found his people drinking maple syrup from the trees instead of working. Like, <laughs> if you have a choice, we might as well, right? <laughs> How can you blame them? <laughs> oh yeah and if it's mostly water it's got to be like thirst quenching too yeah well so at this time the legend has it that they were drinking straight up maple syrup <laughs> from the trees and then as punishment he added water to the syrup oh. and made the sap only available in the spring so now his people would have to boil the sap into syrup quote-unquote instead of being lazy 
Damn it. So, that's just rude. <laughs> Come on, dude. Like I said, there's tons of different origin legends and folklore surrounding that. But, like, for example, another story says that some guy, some guy, like a chief of a tribe or something came home from a bad hunt and got really angry and, like, threw his tomahawk into a tree. <laughs> and then when he pulled it out, sap started coming out of the tree. So that was a nice surprise. That's fun. Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> oh, Especially yeah. because he was angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Native Americans would slash or cut a V-shape into the bark of the tree and then mm-hmm. place a wooden wedge into the bottom of the tree, like at the bottom of a V-shape. Yeah. And sap would then run into a basket at the bottom, either made out of a hollowed-out log, which you could use for more than one season, or made of tree bark, which only really held up for about one season. And then they would get rocks really hot in the fire, and place them at the bottom of the baskets, which would evaporate the water and they'd be left with the syrup or maple sugar after it was allowed to cool. Fun. Maple so sugar is good. Yes, it is. We have some, and there's a little while my dad was putting it in his coffee. It's delicious. Yeah. It's, have you had it? I we have it like we just found it in the back of our like spice cabinet. <laughs> so oh, what a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah, and it's like not old either. I think we got it like last fall. We're like, ah, oh, well, Perfect. we should start using this more. So it's so good. It tastes my like coffee. I was just gonna say it tastes like maple syrup, but in sugar form. <laughs> but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. So <laughs> So it does taste like that. Yeah, it tastes exactly like what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> All right, so the first written documentation of maple sugaring in North America was reported in 1557, so way, way back there. Wild. By French explorer André Tevet, I think. Hmm. As time went on, oxen and horses were used to haul heavy barrels of sap, and wooden spouts were replaced by metal spouts. And bark baskets were replaced by wooden and then eventually metal buckets. So obviously things kind of evolved over time. I've seen, like, the metal spigots and buckets just, like, in New Hampshire. Because, like... um, if you listen to our last episode, you know that we both went to University of New Hampshire. And my senior year, I remember I was driving back to my apartment and I saw a whole bunch of buckets and like taps. And I was like, oh my God. That's so <laughs> People cool. People can do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, once we have a house, I'm 100% tapping our trees if we have sugar maples. Ooh, yes, you should. Might as well, especially because syrup is so expensive. <laughs> Might as well make our own. You can, like, boil it in a stock pot on your stove. It doesn't have to be... You can make it complicated, but it doesn't have to be complicated. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I mean, I you could wearing... just put some hot rocks in it and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is another cool thing that I had no idea about until I started researching for this. Ooh. 
The early abolitionists recognized that a thriving maple sugar industry could eliminate the need for slavery. In 1789, Benjamin Rush, a signatory of the Declaration of Independence, was one of the founders of the Society for Promoting the Manufacture of Sugar from the Sugar Maple Tree. Ooh. Which I don't know about you, but that sounds like a society I want to be a part of. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling it's not around anymore, but... (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Their ultimate goal was to lessen or eliminate the need for imported cane sugar that was a product of slavery in the West Indies because they were abolitionists, so they wanted to eliminate slavery. Oh, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, even though he was a slave owner, was also on board with eliminating the need for cane sugar and even planted a sugar maple grove on his own property. Wow. Yeah, so Vermont and New England was pretty woke. I mean, we already knew that, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) All the way back in 1789, they were like, hey, slavery is not cool. We shouldn't be buying stuff that's made with slave labor. Oh, yeah. And it's also always a good way to convince other people to do it if there's, like, a business idea, a way to make more money behind it. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's still just a good example of things we should do today. Buy local. Buy local. Um, Eat local, shop local. Don't be shitty. Drink local. (laughs) (laughs) Syrup local. Yes. (laughs) All right. That's pretty much it for the early history of maple. Fun. Still like backyard operations, like people that have a couple sugar maples will still spill in bucket technique like we talked about but obviously technology has evolved especially in bigger industrial slash commercial operations and we'll go into that in a little bit in this next section science slash slash the process like i said in present day tons of people still use the whole drill up drill a hole into the tree and hang a bucket method in their backyard sugaring operations. Mm-hmm. Which is actually probably more common than you'd think in Vermont anyway. <laughs> yeah. When I moved here, I obviously knew that maple sugaring was a thing because it's Vermont. That's like, yeah. everybody knows that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that meant that pretty much every person that has sugar maples in their yard or on their property taps them. <laughs> the first spring I was here I remember walking into work and everybody was talking about um their taps and everything (laughs) I was like shocked (laughs) because literally every single person made maple syrup (laughs) I thought that was just like you know like a stereotype of people that live in Vermont (laughs) oh yeah I mean, and to clarify, I live in like the most populated part of Vermont, so it's not like I live in the backwoods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, one yeah, of my little anecdote. <laughs> oh yeah, one of my old roommates, um, senior year, he was from Vermont, and he would just like sometimes at night he'd be like, "Guys, who's gonna take a shot of maple syrup with me? Like, you gotta do it." <laughs> <laughs> 
like, it obviously is mostly sugar, but it does have properties and minerals that are good for you. So. Oh yeah. And uh, that we believe in cleanses, as we talked about in the last in the last episode. But yeah. there are a lot of cleanse type stuff that uses maple. Anyway, yeah, a shot of maple syrup. I've definitely done a shot of maple syrup. <laughs> I'm guilty yeah. of that. And it wasn't like maple syrup liqueur either. <laughs> no, straight up maple syrup from the bottle. Maple syrup liqueur is also actually really, really good. Oh, yes, Flag Hill has a really good one. Yeah, that's where I've had it from. I had it on, um, I think it was Homecoming Morning one year on some oh, banana geez. bread. <laughs> I feel like that's too fancy to have while partying. <laughs> yeah, it was still early, like <laughs> before yeah. anything. I think my dad got a bottle as a gift a couple years ago for <laughs> Christmas or something. <laughs> yeah. It's you can literally just like I mean it is liqueur, so you're supposed to be able to drink just drink it, but it's so good. Oh. They make like maple whiskey and stuff too. Oh yeah. Bourbon. Definitely some stuff aged in like whiskey or um maple barrels. Yeah. Yep, yep. We'll go we'll go into that more later. I have a little oh. section about um what can be done with maple because the possibilities are, are truly endless. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> people, I feel like people get more and more creative every year. <laughs> all right anyway now that we know the basics and a brief history of maple syrup you can kind of get into the science and process Wee. yay sap comes from the xylem of the tree and if you remember from middle or high school biology class trees have two different quote-unquote <laughs> well i'm about to teach you so you're good <laughs> oh good <laughs> trees have two different quote, cir- circulatory systems or, like, plumbing systems. Yeah. The xylem and the phloem. Mm. The phloem typically is the one that carries food in the form of sugar around the tree, while the xylem usually only transports water and some minerals. However, the xylem in maple trees actually carries a pretty high concentration of sugar through its cells. So, because sugar maple is just special. It's so special. Yeah. Maple is also unique because it has air bubbles in its wood, which makes me think of, do you ever see, I don't even know if it exists anymore, those, like, chocolate, Hershey's chocolate bars that have, like, the bubbles in it? Yes. <laughs> That's what I imagine, like, this looking like under a microscope. Yeah, I don't know if that's accurate in any form. Probably not because they're plant cells, so they're square. But (laughs) Mm. yeah, so maple has air bubbles in its wood, which makes space for ice to freeze inside the wood. So when freezing and thawing is happening inside the wood, it creates expansion and constriction. So think like a beer in the freezer or a water bottle in the freezer. Mm-hmm. where it like expands and pushes out on the sides of the container oh yeah so don't this leave then creates... <laughs> yeah don't leave it in there don't don't put beer in the freezer 
No, at my old job, people would always put soda in the freezer and then forget about it. Idea. Oh yeah, and then it explodes, and there's always that poor person who opens it and is like, "Great, there's soda over everything." Oh my god, and soda might even be worse because I feel like that's more sticky. Yeah. Uh, So annoying to clean up. (laughs) Yeah, there was a sign on the freezer for a while that was like, "Do not put your Coke cans in here." (laughs) (laughs) For real. Yeah. So expansion and constriction in those little wood bubbles creates a pressure gradient between the inside and the outside of the tree, which is what allows the sap to flow. Sap flow requires daytime temperatures slightly above freezing, usually about like 40 to 45 to 50 during the day, and then nighttime temperatures just below freezing, so like 30, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Gotcha. So, so it's so specific in this way. That means that the season is typically only four to six weeks long. Yeah. Usually, like, the first week of March is when it starts. It's a little bit different every year, but that's usually around when it's going on. And then the appearance of leaves marks the end of the tapping season. Because the water now transpires through the stomata and the leaves, which brings us back to high school or middle school biology class again. <laughs> the stomata and the leaves are those like, they're little holes on the outside of the leaf that allows for oxygen exchange and CO2 exchange. Yay! <laughs> so because they allow the leaves to transpire... That alleviates any pressure buildup, so the sap doesn't flow anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but before that, in the spring, when only the buds are on the branches, the pressure buildup forces the sap right out of the tapping hole. That's so nice. Yeah. A lot of larger scale operations, like commercial operations, that type of deal... Mm-hmm. have shifted, I think, in the about the 70s, 1970s, to yeah. a vacuum tube system instead of the traditional spout and bucket system. And mm-hmm. if you've ever been hiking in a New England hardwood forest, there's probably a chance that you've seen these green and blue plastic tubes that run between trees. I don't think I've them? seen them while, like, hiking, but I've definitely seen them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're pretty recognizable. <laughs> yeah. There's one um, place that we go mountain biking here in Vermont, in Richmond, that yeah. it's like a family-owned ski mountain, or ski. it's really a ski hill. <laughs> but they have mountain biking trails, too, and they do. They have, like, a pretty big sugaring operation in the woods. And mm. there's a couple of trails where you literally have to, like, duck under <laughs> the tubes because they keep them up. <laughs> You get, like, clothesline going down. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> it's not a problem for me because I'm short, but I'd imagine, like, I, um, Sam went biking with us there once. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so tall, he was, like, <laughs> ducking down underneath all the tubes. <laughs> that's hard. Yep. So that's also kind of a common problem, though, with tubes. There's a lot of, I'll go into some of the pros of, this system but 
some of the <laughs> challenges include like deer and moose and bear <laughs> ripping them up. <laughs> They're just like, ah, oh, shit, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially moose with their antlers. Oh, oh poor guys. Just get stuck in there. <laughs> the vacuum system isn't like a vacuum cleaner. It, like, it doesn't suck <laughs> the sap out of the tree. It just artificially reduces the air pressure outside of the tree. So oh, then God. that increases the inside-outside difference. So then the sap flows because the atmospheric pressure is kind of like pushing against the tree, just like atmospheric mm-hmm. pressure does on everything. It's like yeah. gravity. It's just kind of always there. But when you reduce the pressure on the outside, it allows the trap to, the, the trap, <laughs> the sap <laughs> to flow out of the tree. <laughs> the sap is a trap. That is a trap. This is true. <laughs> this way, even if the pressure inside the tree is minimal, which tends to happen towards the later part of the season, yeah, sugar makers can still get sap to flow because the air in the tubes connected to the tree is under suction or negative pressure, creating that gradient between the inside and outside, like we said before. So instead of like waiting all day for like a few drips, you can get it out a lot faster. Right. Exactly. That's good. It's also nice because instead of having to, like, haul buckets of sap (laughs) down from wherever, usually, like, a mountain. (laughs) Yeah. um, All of the sap kind of through the tubes collects in, like, either a central collection tank or tanks or it goes straight to the sugar house. That's nice. Yes, that definitely eliminates a lot of manpower that's required. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, hiking with just buckets of sap? No. no. I would spill so much. <laughs> yeah, for real. Especially because in, like, the height of the season, sap buckets usually aren't that big because, obviously, they get heavy. Yeah. But... Like, in the height of the season, if you leave them for too long, you're going to come back and they're going to be overflowing. (laughs) So this way, you're also wasting less sap because you're really collecting everything. True. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, then the tube, like I said, the tubing feeds to a central collection location or it goes straight to the sugar house. So it's all in one place. So much easier. So that was definitely a huge, huge technological improvement as far as people that were doing a lot of, like, large, I mean, what I'm trying to say is for people with large-scale sugaring operations. And from the storage tanks, the sap is then, not always, but often put through a reverse osmosis machine, which Mm -hmm. takes out a percentage of the water from the sap before boiling, just because it is the sap is 98% water (laughs) so in order to boil that much water the reverse osmosis machine just kind of takes like half a step away it just makes the whole process a little bit more streamlined (laughs) yes you're boiling it for less time probably right exactly that's good yep so then the evaporation process takes place in an evaporator 
shocking. (laughs) (laughs) So an evaporator kind of, there's a couple different ways you can do it, but usually stainless steel pans sit on top of an arch or a firebox where there's either wood or oil creating a fire. So traditionally, obviously they used wood, like a wood stove type system, but now you can buy oil ones as well. And as the water in the sap evaporates, it thickens, making your syrup or your sugar or whatever. Yay. When the thermometer in the pan reaches a very specific 219 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm not sure who came up with that exact number, but at that point, the syrup's ready to draw off. And then at that point, it looks finished. Like, if you were to look at it, you'd think that's good to go, put in the bottle, ship out, whatever. Yeah. But at that point, it still needs to be filtered, adjusted for density, and then graded for flavor and color. We'll get into grading in a second here. Okay, okay good, because I don't understand that. And I almost texted you from the maple syrup section of Whole Foods last week. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go and talk about... Rules, regulations, and the grading system. Yay. Start this, I should say that all grades of pure maple syrup are identical in density and maple sugar content, which is about 66.9%. But the color of the syrup can and does range from pale gold to dark brown. In fact, maple syrup is graded solely on its color, which I guess I didn't realize (laughs) I never knew much about the grading system I assumed it had more to do with like content of the syrup yeah I just kind of assumed it was like eggs (laughs) yeah me too but it's not the difference in color mostly has to do with when the syrup is made as the spring warms up the sap coming from the trees becomes darker in color obviously producing a darker syrup The darker the syrup is, the stronger the maple flavor usually is. Or the more robust. (laughs) Robust. (laughs) Dark maple syrup. Yeah, those are some of the buzzwords they had on all the jars. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put, I can put on our Instagram post a pretty good diagram that kind of shows you. Grade A golden is your most delicate syrup. That's like... A lot of people think that's like the top of the top. Um, I don't. I like all of them, but that's like usually your highest price. Um, it's the description says the lightest syrup with a smooth, subtle maple flavor. Ooh. Yeah, so it's not obviously it still tastes like maple syrup, but it's not quite as strong. I guess I should yeah. say it's not as intense. Not as maple-y. Right. <laughs> the Food Network of Canada says that it's best used for whipped cream, maple candies, or over fresh fruit. Oh, I love maple candy. Me too. Oh, I haven't had maple candy in years. Yeah, I had um, some CBD maple candies that I really, really liked. Oh, that's been. Good. Yeah, I've been looking into buying them. There's a whole bunch of vermont companies that do uh cbd maple candies a lot of them are like the hard ones but some of them are like the sugar candy 
Yeah, I grew up on the sugar candy. I don't think I've ever had the hard candy, but I'm sure I would Yeah, like I, <laughs> I think they're, like, a little bit less, like, sweet than yeah. just the sugar candy. Right, because the maple, like, the sugar candies are literally just either maple, maple sugar or maple syrup put into a mold. <laughs> yeah. This one definitely really sweet. You can eat, like, as a kid, I could eat a bunch of them. Now I think I'd be able to have, like, one or two at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this research made me think about all the maple stuff that I haven't had in a while. Yeah, I'm, like, really craving all of it now. All right, back to our grading system. So our second grade here is grade A amber, described as rich. And that's your classic, like, pancake syrup. Rich in flavor, but still smooth and sweet. It's that, like, goldish brown... A little bit darker than your golden syrup. According to the Food Network of Canada, it's best for pancakes, poaching fruit, or homemade granola. Never poached fruit, but I feel like that's something I would enjoy. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. I've only seen it on cooking shows. (laughs) I think they usually do it with, like, pears or peaches. Oh, makes sense. And so our next grade is grade A dark which is our robust syrup, a heartier, stronger syrup for maple flavor enthusiasts, <laughs> which I like to think of myself as a maple flavor enthusiast. I like to be a maple enthusiast. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is best for sauces and glazes, candied nuts, or over vanilla ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite I mean, desserts. I need to try that. Yeah, I have vanilla ice cream in my freezer right now, and I have maple syrup, so I'm definitely having that for dessert tonight. (laughs) Might have to go see if I have vanilla ice cream. (laughs) So good. You would think it's, like, too sweet, but it's really not. Yeah. Ooh, I bet the maple syrup liqueur would be really good with ice cream. Oh my gosh, yeah. We'll have to do that someday. <laughs> someday when we can see each other again. I know. Big sad. <laughs> yeah. I guess probably all of our listeners know this or assume this, but every episode that we do is remote. Yeah, we're not in the same state. So, yeah. Excuse our poor sound quality sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It, we work with what we've got. <laughs> We're doing our best. (laughs) And our final grade on the system is grade A A, very dark, which is your strong syrup. It's more like molasses with the most intense maple flavor. Best for baking, maple, caramel corn, and custards. This list is very specific. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it came from Food Network Canada, so I, I trust it. And then there is one more, technically one more grade after that. It's kind of, it's what they call like the industrial or the like surplus syrup. It's like, it's used like strictly in like commercial applications as a flavoring, I think. Oh, okay. So it's not like you wouldn't want to pour it on your pancakes. It's like bottom of the barrel like kind of 
mediocre serum. <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, like, industrial cleaning supplies. Like, <laughs> I meant to say commercial. <laughs> industrial. So, most people have kind of a preference. I feel like usually people prefer the grade A golden or the amber. Mm-hmm. I, I like all of them, but usually we get the amber or the dark because they're a little bit less expensive yeah. and they seem to be more available because less people are looking for those. Tyler's totally like a dark, very dark maple guy. But yeah. I'm assuming you I'm don't a... have a favorite because you didn't know. <laughs> no, Do you have a favorite? I, no, I just all thought they came in the glass bottle and said maple syrup on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then also I do have a question. I don't know if you'll have sure. the answer. Are they all grade A? They are all grade A. So the old system that was in place before 2014 had a grade B. Oh, okay. And I'm not sure why they even bothered including the grade A in the new system. (laughs) Because they're all grade A. So why not just golden, amber, dark, very dark instead of grade A, golden, grade A, amber, grade A, dark, grade A. It's kind of like when they put gluten-free or like vegan or vegetarian on like a salad or something that's like very obviously gluten-free <laughs> when they do that on like you're, they do it on like popcorn like yeah you're obviously like, it's literally just corn <laughs> it's just corn <laughs> but, gotcha. yeah so that's the new kind of standard um grading system awesome so, and now you know next time you go to whole foods now you know yeah, next time I have to purchase, because in college it was mostly like I'd get it at the farmer's market or at right. home. It's kind of like just use whatever my mom bought. <laughs> in my opinion, they all taste good, but some people are more picky. Yeah. Well, after this know. episode, you'll be a maple syrup sommelier. Yeah. And you can just let us know which is the best and most superior, obviously. <laughs> I can do, like, you know how they do those, like, the wine boxes where you, like, yeah. you get, like, three <laughs> three bottles of wine and you get to yeah. try them? I'm going to do that with maple syrup. <laughs> that would be so cute, just, like, little bottles in a package. Oh. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about the rules and regulations that are involved when it comes to maple. I'm going to focus specifically on Vermont just because... Canada is pretty much in its own can of worms as far as rules and regulations go. We'll get into it a little bit more in the scandal slash drama section. <laughs> so I chose to focus most just on Vermont for this one, which there is plenty of um, things to choose from, seeing as the Vermont Agency of Agriculture has a 10-page document just on laws that involve maple syrup oh, or maple products. So I picked a few notable sections from that document to read, (laughs) just to really show you how serious Vermont specifically, how seriously they take their maple. All right, so we're gonna start with this definition. Maple products means only maple syrup, maple sugar, maple cream, or any other product in which the sugar content is entirely derived from pure maple sap and to which nothing has been added. Mm. Another definition. Maple syrup means pure maple syrup 
which is the liquid derived by concentration and heat treatment of the sap of the maple tree, maple syrup shall not be processed in any manner which adds or removes naturally occurring soluble materials. The limitation does not preclude the use of approved filter aids used for the sole purpose of assisting the removal of suspended materials or the use of defoaming agents approved by the secretary. Maple syrup yeah. shall comply with Vermont state grades, density, and flavor requirements. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was a mouthful. So, produced in Vermont shall mean only that maple syrup or other maple products, which are manufactured in their entirety from pure, un- pure, <laughs> pure <laughs> unprocessed maple sap with- within the state of Vermont, pursuant to standards established by the Act and these regulations. So they don't want their Vermont maple syrup being mixed with anybody else's maple syrup. <laughs> I get they make that. that pretty clear. Yeah, I guess I get it too. Because their name's on it. <laughs> yeah. So, next. This one, I don't know if I should say it makes me laugh, but you'll see. It's like kind of intense. <laughs> <laughs> Artificial maple flavored products shall be clearly and conspicuously labeled on their principal display panels or panels with the term artificial flavor shall be of a size equal to or larger than other words used to describe the product. It is unlawful to use the terms maple syrup or maple sugar, however modified to describe an artificially flavored product. Any (laughs) restaurant menu listing such a product or any advertising of such a product shall clearly state that the product is artificially flavored. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I love that. It's so dramatic, but like... So dramatic. It's also so needed because, like, knowing how food labels work, companies and places will try to get away with a lot of weird stuff. Oh, absolutely. That's a good segue into saying that clearly Vermont takes their laws about maple pretty dang seriously. And (laughs) in 2011, the Vermont Agency of Agriculture confronted McDonald's (laughs) for advertising their oatmeal as, quote, fruit and maple, when in reality, (laughs) there were no actual maple products in the oatmeal. They ended up settling (laughs) and McDonald's stores in Vermont at McDonald's stores in Vermont, customers were able to request real maple syrup for their oatmeal. <laughs> I love that. So, little Vermont Agency of Agriculture confronting McDonald's about their oatmeal. <laughs> hey, I mean... But it is against the Vermont law that we just read, so... Yeah. And also, you really shouldn't lie about what you're putting in food. Well, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's a topic for another episode. Yeah, that's another <laughs> we thing can that I probably that. never be able to get into, but yeah. <laughs> Not for a lighthearted, semi, a semi-lighthearted podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but just be us screaming into the void about the food industry, so. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, that I just kind of get a kick out of the Vermont Maple Laws. Because they are dramatic, but you know stuff has happened, clearly, that has made it so that... <laughs> oh, yeah. 
It is that way. And really, like, maple and maple syrup is kind of, like, part of Vermont's, you know, like, wholesome image. (laughs) Yeah, it's part of their, like, claim to fame. Right, it's, like, part of their, it's kind of their pride and joy as far as industry goes, so. Yeah. They gotta protect it. And like I said before, if you can even believe it, Canada takes their syrup rules even more seriously. (laughs) So now we get to get into the scandal and drama of this. Oh, good. Which I didn't even know there was any until I started doing research. I did, and I kind of forgot about it until you brought it up again. And it's honestly one of my favorite scandals to ever happen. Mm Mm-hmm. When I get into it, I'll mention some sources that I used that if anybody wants to know more about this, definitely go check them out because there's a lot more information (laughs) that I obviously can't include in this because it would be like the length of two full episodes. So Yeah, that's like a two-part episode alone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously you can't have a large money-making industry without a little bit of scandal. Most of the drama seems to be centered in Quebec, which makes sense seeing as they produce the majority of the maple syrup in the world. But if we're going to talk about drama, we need to talk about FPAC. The FPAC is the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers. Mm -hmm. Formed in 1966, the Federation was tasked with taking a business in which few can make a decent living, because at the time, um, sugar makers were really struggling in Quebec. Yeah. They really weren't making money. Oh. The price went north to south with the quality of the yield, which went north to south with the quality of the spring, and turning it into a respectable trade. Mm -hmm. This was accomplished in the classic way that a federation would accomplish this, so by enforcing quotas and rules. They controlled the supply, so then they were able to control the price they limited the supply so then they were able to raise the price gotcha yep and because quebec makes 72 percent of the world's maple syrup it's been able to set the price valued at just over 1300 dollars a barrel which is 26 more times expensive than crude oil (laughs) (laughs) yeah guys don't invest in oil companies. Invest in maple syrup. For real. Maple's the money maker. Seriously. <laughs> oh. gold. So glad my car doesn't run on syrup. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? It smells <laughs> It would so smell nice, so but... good. <laughs> it would smell amazing. It would be, It'd so, be so, so sticky great. though. Oh yeah. It wouldn't work. <laughs> it would also might just smell like burning sugar. <laughs> Yeah, probably not be great. (laughs) And this is why we're not engineers. (laughs) Sorry, Tyler. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) he's like, do not put maple syrup in the car. (laughs) Do not dare. (laughs) So anyway, the F pack is obviously extremely controversial because people don't like rules. Mm. So it's extremely controversial between sugar makers. Some compare it to a drug cartel. And claim that it takes away their freedoms as sugar makers. And it kind of created almost a monopoly of maple syrup in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Creating a maple syrup black market that has grown throughout the years. And specifically Mm -hmm. through exports. (laughs) 
But you never thought you would hear the phrase maple syrup black market. No, I didn't. <laughs> On Netflix, there's a docu-series called Dirty Money. And there's an episode kind of about this. And it really, it does like interviews with people that are against FPAC. And I totally understand where they're coming from because it kind of... It kind of seems like it stifled some of them, but then there's also people in the documentary that say like it's the best thing that's happened to their maple business. So, like everything, there's two sides to it. Gotcha. So now we get to talk about the Great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist. Yes. <laughs> the Great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist is the informal name for a month-long theft between 2011 and 2012. Between 2011 and 2012, of nearly 3,000 tons of maple syrup. What? <laughs> Valued at 18.7 million Canadian dollars or 14.75 million US dollars. That's so many dollars. <laughs> so many doll hairs. That's so much maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. And this is all stolen from an FPAC storage facility in Quebec. This heist is considered the most valuable in Canadian history. So (laughs) this this storage facility, which like, first of all, this is the most Canadian thing I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah. But this FPAC storage facility is gigantic. But Mm -hmm. so one of the things that FPAC does is if a sugar maker can't sell all of their maple syrup in the season they'll take they'll like confiscate the rest of it and mm. put it in this storage facility because it is a weather dependent industry yeah if they have a bad spring then they they have a reserve to sell and export from, i like to think but that they have the reserve because otherwise there'll be um absolute chaos in canada without maple syrup exactly <laughs> that's it <laughs> But the problem with this is that the sugar makers don't get paid for the syrup oh. until it gets sold. That's it. Which icky. that could be like like never, basically. <laughs> or yeah. in a very long time. And then when they do sell it, they take I think it's fifty-five dollars from every barrel. Oh. Yeah. Like I said, the episode of Dirty Money has they like ha- go into real detail about this stuff. It's a very like well done episode, but yeah, it's on Netflix. I'm gonna go watch that after this. Do it. All right. So the thieves were ultimately tracked down, even though it took considerable effort for the police to determine the full scale of the operation. Yeah. The subsequent investigation led to 26 arrests and more than 200 witness interviews creating a really bizarre story surrounding one of Quebec's major resources. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yes. So many people to interview? Yeah. In court, one of the thieves, Richard Vallier, claimed that he had been forced to buy the stolen syrup and replace it with water after being threatened by an unnamed man carrying a gun. The jury was <laughs> not convinced, however, and found Vallier guilty of theft, fraud, and trafficking stolen goods. Maple syrup trafficking. What I would give to join a mob of people stealing maple syrup. Maple mob. (laughs) Maple mob. 
Maple mobs with Maddie and Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) You're all in the mob now. Get ready. Surprise. Quebec, we're coming. (laughs) Please don't put me on a list. I want to go to Canada soon. (laughs) (laughs) Once the borders open. Yeah. Another main suspect, Etienne St. Pierre, who is a well-known maple exporter. Mm-hmm. was accused of buying the stolen syrup and then rebranding it as New Brunswick syrup. He was also found guilty of fraud and of trafficking. They interviewed him in the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, swears up and down that he did nothing. And you're like, I know you're guilty. <laughs> but you can tell he's, like, totally, like, how a mob guy would act on an interview. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to watch to see. I just, like, it's so funny thinking about, like, because I've seen so many drug cartel shows thinking about, like, those guys, but just instead of talking about, like, cocaine and heroin, they're talking about maple syrup. For real. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, Center- the Sinisterhood podcast did a whole episode on this, um, and they did a really good job going into detail. One of them is a lawyer, so she was able to put give like kind of a different perspective on it. Oh, also, not to mention the <laughs> documentary again, but there's a guy that they do an interview with, and his job title is maple syrup lawyer. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. And he was like, "Yeah." Some people ask me like, "What kind of law I practice?" And it's always kind of weird to tell them I practice maple law. <laughs> Another one of the heist's ringleaders, Avic Cannon, was sentenced to five years in prison and fined $1.2 million for his involvement in the crime. Whoa. The theft involves stealing well over 9,000 barrels of syrup with tractor trailers, taking them to a sugar shack, emptying the barrels, and filling them back up with plain water. The plan was initially successful since the team only siphoned the barrels from the Global Reserve of the F Pack. And the deed went unnoticed at first. After a year, <laughs> however, some of the water-filled barrels started to rust and people were became suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Guys. So basically, they went in. Well, this, this is partially an inside job, which is how they had access to the warehouse. Oh. But I, guess I believe the FPAC was renting the warehouse... From Richard Vallier, who was one of the guys that helped steal the syrup. Maybe don't rent the building and buy a government one. (laughs) I'm saying. (laughs) But, (laughs) so basically they snuck into this warehouse, or they didn't have to sneak it, but they went into this warehouse with a bunch of empty barrels that they painted and labeled to look exactly like the barrels that were already in the reserve. Nice. And they put those barrels in the warehouse, took the maple syrup barrels, siphoned all the maple syrup out of the barrels, (laughs) (laughs) brought the bear, like filled those barrels with water, brought them back to the warehouse took their dummy barrels, and replaced the real barrels that were now full of water. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. There was also, these guys were, it was like a pretty elaborate plan that they had. 
they weren't the best criminals. Oh. <laughs> There's like a lot of evidence against them. <laughs> so oh. they used this, like, they like very clearly thought some stuff, like, really thought it through and then just completely missed the mark on some other stuff. Yeah, some for of example, planning, I guess. Yeah, so for example, they obviously have to use a forklift to pick up these barrels because they're heavy. They're like 55-gallon yeah. barrels, like big barrels of maple syrup. So they rented a forklift from the rental place across the street from the warehouse. <laughs> the guy that rented it that was working with them signed... Mm-hmm. The rental form in his own name. Oh my god. <laughs> and it was a different kind of forklift than what they use at the warehouse. So it left these like you can see it on the documentary, but it left these like big marks on the side of the barrel that wouldn't have happened if they had just used the regular forklift. <laughs> um, and there was there was some other stuff like that too, but not surprisingly, these guys were all pretty stringent opponents of the FPAC. And some Quebec sugar makers almost viewed the theft as kind of a big FU to FPAC, almost in like a Robin Hood kind of act. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a whole new can of worms that I'm not going to go into. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, the Sisterhood or Sinisterhood podcast has a whole episode. And then the Netflix docuseries Dirty Money has a whole episode on this. So if you want to know more, I definitely recommend checking those out because they go into real detail that I don't really have time to go into right now. But it is a pretty interesting crime, especially because the investigation was so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they interviewed so many people. And, like, obviously it took them a while to figure out that there's even maple syrup missing because, like, Who's going to go and check? Right. In a warehouse where there's thousands and thousands and thousands of barrels of syrup. Yeah. (laughs) And they, they like strategically placed the barrels in a spot that they didn't think they would be seen and blah, 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 blah. So now to wrap things up, I'm going to go into maple products in the future. Yum. So before we end, I just wanted to mention that. Climate change is really one of those great, one of the greatest obstacles that lies in the future of the maple industry. I mean, mm. climate change is really one of the obstacles for the world right now. But um, the maple but industry, without what? maple syrup, the world will end, as Canada has shown us, because they stockpile it. global warming to save the maple syrup (laughs) (laughs) yep so like i said climate change is really one of the greatest obstacles that lies in the future of the maple industry Mm -hmm. because maple sugaring is so weather dependent and the season's already so short being four to six weeks that as weather patterns change and there are less warm days and freezing nights, the season just continues to get shorter and shorter. And like I said, the demand for maple and maple products has gone through the roof. So with a continually shorter season and then a demand that's going crazy, the industry's kind of in trouble. I can't really keep up. So Yeah. Yep. Oh. But luckily... 
places like the UVM Maple Lab, because, of course, the University of Vermont has a Maple Lab. (laughs) (laughs) There are some other universities that do as well, but this one just really struck a chord. (laughs) Love it. They're doing research on how to combat the effects of climate change on the industry, as well as researching ways to increase maple output with the constantly growing demand. I'll link their site in the show notes because they actually have a really good, a really awesome website. And they do have their own podcast called the Vermont Maple Minute. (laughs) It's all about maple. (laughs) That's so cute. So to not end on a down note, I am going to mention some of the millions of ways and some of my favorite ways that maple can be used. Obviously, maple syrup is good for all forms of breakfast food. Yes. Even sausages. Yeah, even sausages. Even bacon, too. Yeah, I don't eat meat anymore, but even, like, my veggie sausages. Yeah. That's true. Are you, like, a pancake girl or a waffle girl? I like pancakes because I can put more things in them. But if I were to buy, like, when I make them, I usually make pancakes because they're also easier to make. But if I buy, like, the frozen ones, I buy frozen waffles. True. See, I'm torn (laughs) on this topic because I do love pancakes because I love to put stuff in them. Yes. And, but I do have a really fun Belgian waffle press. And there's nothing like having, like, butter and maple syrup in those little pockets in a waffle. Yeah. That's like really a unique experience. (laughs) What about French toast? Do you like French toast? Oh, I like French toast a lot. Me too, but I'm a little picky. And like, it's not usually my first choice. Yeah, it has to be like, I don't know, big bean, down east French toast. Yeah. Crispy with thick bread. Yeah, thick bread. And, oh, my God, just, yeah. <laughs> Lots of syrup on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, we can talk about maple sugar, maple cream. Do you know what maple cream is? No, I don't think so. It's like a maple butter, like a almost like an apple butter type deal, but it's maple. It's really good on toast. Maple candy we talked about. Sugar on snow, which I actually haven't had, but my parents used to do that when they were younger. I haven't had it, but it's something I want to do so badly. Me too. I might have to try it this winter. Yeah. Basically, just, I think you can do it with regular syrup, but I think usually they boil it down a little bit so it's a little bit thicker. And then you pour it on really clean snow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And eat it. (laughs) And like... Oh, I didn't mention this. I didn't include this as part of my research, but there are, especially in Canada, a ton of maple festivals, really all like throughout New England and in Canada. And I watched a video where they, it was like basically like this big, long, almost like a feeding trough for animals, but obviously (laughs) it wasn't. (laughs) And it was full of snow. Mm-hmm. And then they go and take, like, this big pot and pour it all on the snow. And then you take a popsicle stick and, like, twirl it in the syrup. Oh, yeah. So it was like a, a syrup sickle. 
I want that. Monday so morning's happy. road trip to all the maple festivals yes. in the north. Maple creamies oh, we can talk about, which is maple soft serve for people not in Vermont. Those are my favorite. I hate the word creamy. Me too, but I've kind of embraced it. I've kind of leaned into it. But it is delicious. That is one of my favorites. I am a, I am kind of a maple syrup purist. Like my favorite way to have maple is in maple syrup. But yeah, my second favorite way is definitely creamies. I love them. I used to get them at the Portsmouth um, farmers market all the time, and it would be yeah. like. 10 a.m. <laughs> yes, that is really good creamies. Oh, yeah. We talked about maple liqueur. Mm-hmm. Maple beer is something that's kind of come on the scene within the past couple years. Would recommend. Obviously, maple sauces. I cook a lot with maple syrup. Anytime anything would really need a sweetener, I use maple syrup. Whether it's in a pasta sauce or caramelizing garlic and onions or really anything. Stir fry. Yeah. I'm probably use it tonight. My <laughs> stir fry. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I like it in my coffee. Like I said before, on vanilla ice cream. Mm. Uh, maple water is something that's kind of come into the scene in the past <laughs> couple years. Which it's like yeah like a hipster <laughs> drink <laughs> but really yeah. it's just tree sap it's just maple sap <laughs> but a lot of people that drink coconut water which personally i can't stand coconut water <laughs> i think it's gross too sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but so maple water kind of is similar in the sense that it has a lot of minerals and vitamins but Compared to coconut water, it actually has a lot less sugar. So that's wild. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because it is water and sugar and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And coconut isn't generally like very sweet. Right. I've never had maple water, but I definitely want to try it. There are a I've bunch of companies it. in Vermont. You have tried it? Yeah. I think I got it after skiing one day. Did you like it? It's not bad. It's pretty good. I mean, it just tastes like water with, like, a hint of maple. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yum. I'll have to put it on the list. (laughs) Then another one of my favorite ways to use maple is in cocktails. Ooh, yummy. Um, Obviously, there's a million other ways you can use maple. Those are just some of my favorites. Um, And some of the most popular... But yeah, I'm going to tell you guys some of the resources that I used because I used a bunch of different sites and podcasts for this episode. And I'll link all of them in the show notes, but these ones really helped me out. So I thought I'd give them a little shout out. (laughs) The Vermont Sugar Sugar Makers Association site, the UVM Proctor Maple Lab site, the Saver podcast has a maple episode, the Gastropod podcast has a maple episode. And the Outside In podcast has a maple episode, as well as the podcast and the documentary that I mentioned uh, in regards to the Maple Syrup Heist. Woo! Yeah, I think that's it. Amazing! Don't forget to stay tuned next Monday and every Monday for new episodes.
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. We're on Instagram at Monday Mornings Pod, on Twitter at Monday Mornings P, and we have a Facebook page. If you have questions or topics that you'd like to have covered in a future episode, you can also email us at mondaymorningspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes so that other people can find us. Start your Monday mornings the right way with Maddie and Morgan. Duh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>